Ashton, Ashton, Ashton Media. This episode of Ashton Cast is brought to you by the 8th Annual Programmatic Summit, which takes place on the 11th of March at the beautiful Hyatt Regency in Sydney. The Programmatic Summit is the region's leading programmatic ad tech and digital conference. Tickets are on sale now at www.ashtonmedia.com.au. Due to government requirements, capacity is strictly limited. So grab your ticket now to avoid disappointment. In this episode of Ashtoncast, we're sharing an exclusive international keynote from Jonathan Wan, Director of Global Marketing at Japan Airlines. This recording was taken at the Programmatic Summit on the 5th of March 2020. This was literally weeks before COVID blew up and we all went into lockdown. None of us had any idea what was to come. I remember the run-up to the event so clearly. We kept asking ourselves, would our international keynote make it and be here in the flesh? Or would he have to come in via video conference? Thankfully, he made it and the session was brilliant. In this session, Juan reveals challenges the Japanese flag carrier has encountered on its path to improve programmatic. We'll question why programmatic campaigns can turn out so pedestrian. And we'll share some tips to help you not only avoid certain pitfalls, but to push ahead with programmatic confidence. We hope you enjoy it. Ashton, Ashton, Ashton Media. So thank you, Dan, for that in- introduction. Good morning, everyone here. So my name is Jonathan, uh, and I manage uh, global marketing operations for Japan Airlines uh, for markets that are outside of Japan. So I don't manage Japan, but everything else outside of Japan. That's what I'm looking at. Um, before I begin today, I just wanted to address the elephant in the room, and the elephant being me. Yes. I, I did fly in from Japan, um, but you know, please don't be worried because your well-being is my top priority. Uh, prior to, to this event, I've been working from home. I have been, uh, you know, minimizing, you know, uh, any large gatherings, minimizing un- any unnecessary contacts. So much so that I haven't been able to go get a haircut. So if you notice, I look a little different from the profile picture that was shown on the website and all, but rest assured, I am the same person. You know, Ashton Media didn't just pick someone from the streets and to, you know, say, could you please do this because he's not flying here. But in any case, uh, really a big delight to be here today with you all. Um, when I looked at the amazing lineup and content that you have for you today, I really asked myself, how can I further value add to this already amazing content? And I thought that perhaps I could share an honest account of how Japan Airlines grew from a company that didn't really believe in digital to someone who is um, investing in digital transformation today and programmatic infrastructure and how that infrastructure has been helping us, you know, even today in managing the COVID-19 or coronavirus situation. A lot of the content that we have today at the summit will talk about the current state of programmatic as well as the future state of programmatic. But if you allow me, I just wanted to create a little look-back window to bring us all back to the start of display advertising to really just take some time to see how far we've come as an industry. So in 1994, uh, that was when the first banner ad was launched on a website called Hotwire. And according to legend, the format was so novel back in the day that it received 44% click-through rate. Compared to the average click-through rate today of around 0.6%, you know, we're looking at a 99% decrease. Moving on a little forward, you know, in 1996, we see the launch of double-click ad servers. In 1998, we see the launch of ad networks. And could anyone here remember what came in 2000 in the digital world? Any guesses? No? It's uh, Google AdWords. And then later on, you know, ad exchanges came in 2007. 
So moving back to present day, we all know that uh, programmatic has been on the rise, you know, with the U.S. alone looking at over $70 billion in programmatic spends this year. In fact, in 2019, 65% uh, of digital media have been traded programmatically. So with the rise of programmatic also comes along with it a rise of its own sets of problems. Uh, for instance, you know, intelligent tracking prevention uh, with uh, Apple Safari and Mozilla Firefox having this and with Chrome also looking to potentially stop support of third-party cookies, it is a very real concern in the industry. And then there are ad blockers as well. Um, for those who aren't blocking your ads, banner blindness is a very real disorder that many of us face. It's more prevalent than the coronavirus. Um, and then there's also fraud. You know, are real people even looking at your ads? And then you know, with increased competition, new data sources and platforms, it does come at an increasing cost. But at the same time, you know, we are seeing decreasing budgets, especially in the current climate. But there is a silver lining to all of this, right? And spoiler alert, because I attended the Melbourne session, all these get answered today at the summit. So for us at GEL, uh, you know, we, we do see that programmatic um, has the potential to provide us with cost savings and cost effectiveness in the long run. In addition to that, it also provided us with the speed and skill necessary to launch campaigns around the world as well as providing us with robust data and insights um, that's also helping us right now to manage the coronavirus situation. And this is kind of where the Japan Airlines story comes in. So for Japan Airlines, um, you know, we were a company that really didn't branch out overseas that much. You know, we had no marketing activity whatsoever before. And in 2011, we were facing severe financial uh, crisis. Even as our um, profits improved, we were still very, very uh, skeptical in, in terms of overseas markets and digital advertising, providing us with very small budgets, leading us to only pay-per-click advertising only. But knowing that you know, digital transformation, is the, it's, it's really the next step to grow any brand that we have here. So um, we set out to really scour the internet for best practices. We attended a lot of uh, great summits like this one to really create a framework to convince management uh, to really invest in building up our programmatic in infrastructure. And thankfully, in 2017, you know, uh, our management greenlit our first long-term programmatic advertising campaign with Adobe Ad Cloud. And you know, from then on, we have been running multiple dynamic, creative, optimized uh, programmatic campaigns around the world. And today, we're using a lot of the infrastructure that we have also to make quick optimizations and strategy changes despite the coronavirus. So looking back at the initial uh, campaign that we did, you know, simply by switching over to programmatic and in ensuring certain standards, you know, for example, viewability standards, we were able to save over $15,000 uh, know, uh, in terms of making sure that ads are, are, there are no ad frauds and ads are being properly seen. We also saw a 32% decrease in cost per acquisition. We saw our overall revenue grow, with one out of four transactions being attributed back to our campaign. And so with this positive uh, results that we received, we were able to convince management that programmatic is an investment. You know, it might cost more upfront, but in the long term, it's able to provide us with cost effectiveness and better value uh, overall. So talking about the framework that we, that we created, um, we're still using it to plan campaigns today. And I will talk a little bit more about you know, this little framework that we have here. So the, the first rule that we have is you know, we always need to know our audiences. It's very easy for us to blame things like you know, maybe a bad data source or you know, low quality data. But as marketers, I think it's very important for us to really clearly identify who we're targeting. 
And once we've done that, I think Programmatic does a decent job in helping us to reach them. Like any other brands, you know, we use a combination of first, second, and third party data, at least for now, and data quality and security is very important to us. So looking at uh, you know, just a few examples of the data sources that we use, as an airline, we do have the benefit of being able to capture relatively rich first party data. And at the same time, we're also seeing a lot of uh, travel global distribution systems coming into the data and advertising game, allowing us to tap into their rich second party data. And like most brands, we also use third party data through data exchanges. So once we've understood all the different, oops, sorry, the data sources that we have, we can then now map it out and to see which data sources are most appropriate for our different marketing initiatives and tactics. So first party data being arguably the highest quality data that we can get. You know, we use it for things like gaining audience insights, predicting their behavior and personalization to provide better value. And then there's second party data where it helps us uh, to extend our reach for precision targeting. And then obviously we do rely currently on third party data for prospecting. But when we drill into third party data, there are also different data factors that we look at. For instance, you know, we look at the volume of how much of that data is probabilistic, it's inferred data, how much of it is deterministic, data that has some declared information, maybe through a login ID, for instance. And as a travel brand, data recency is also very important to us because we want to make sure that we're targeting you when you're planning to travel and not when you're already traveling. And of course, we're working with our partners as well um, you know, to really plan out what a post-ITP world would look like. So we're talking about things like you know, contextual tar targeting and how we will change our strategies, our messages, uh, or our creatives even for contextual targeting, as well as you know, a, um, life in a post-cookie world. So what you have here is a very um, you know, basic travel purchase cycle, and it maps out how we're using different data sources uh, along this cycle. So we use second and third party data a lot to uh, get uh, new audiences and to prospect and, and to target them. But we use first party data to really drive them down the purchase cycle and eventually use that to drive higher, higher customer lifetime value to nurture that customer. You know, with all these different data sources and different platforms, it does come at a cost. And over here is just a snapshot from the Association of National Advertisers that shows that almost 42% uh, of programmatic spend goes to data and other miscellaneous fees. Of course, this is just a snapshot. It might be different for all of us. But there are ways that we can use to you know, help manage costs. For instance, getting a right platform. And for us, it's having platform own ownership as well, where we're able to control costs, we're able to have transparency as well. But at the same time, agency structure is also very important to us. Uh, we rely a lot on our agency partners for operations and strategy. Um, viewability and programmatic guaranteed are also things that we do to ensure that our costs are actually being well spent. So with all the different data sources mapped out and all the different data that's available to us, we can then now start to really use these data uh, to create personalized and relevant messaging. You know, at, at Jiao, we have a tradition of creating very Japan-looking type of ads. It's very generic. There's no real brand consistency whatsoever. Um, but you know, upon knowing that you know, a consistent brand uh, visual design and element is necessary for brand building overseas as well as uh, you know, it has the potential to increase re like revenue, we set out not just to create a consistent visual design, but at the same time, we also wanted to make our ads relevant to our audiences. And so you know, with dynamic creative optimization, we've been able to really tailor ads um, that are relevant to our audiences. In APAC, uh, we were, before the coronavirus, running a campaign 
um, you know, with you know, a typical 60, 30, 15 second brand video. But we wanted to continue that engagement and that story beyond just that brand video. And so we use dynamic creatives to really um, show different uh, messages that could not be conveyed in that video to our audiences. And we segment them by um, you know, Japan lover target segment, location, and based on the itinerary that they're looking for. But Asia being such a diverse region with different cultures and different languages, you know, the same segment would look very different uh, depending on, on where they are. So for instance, this is the same Japan lover segment, but they're from Thailand, speaking in the Thai language. And so you know, we were able to very quickly uh, serve the relevant ad with the relevant language and with a uniquely Thai message to them. And again, it's Japan lover, but from in Indonesia, maybe browsing in English. So we also have you know, a uniquely Indonesian message, but in English, um, serving them this ad. And then, of course, we also look at different uh, segments, like millennial parents, where they have very different concerns and worries when traveling with their young ones. And so we're then able to very quickly and accurately show them a relevant message. And then there are business travelers, where we look at different data points uh, and we layer them. For instance, we look at travel frequency, we look at their uh, spending volume or their uh, level of income, and we're able to ascertain to show them either an economy class ad or a business class ad, for example. So what this has done is that it's, uh, we've created over 3,000 unique assets with this dynamic creative optimization that are tailored to a customer's origin and destination, their consumer behavior, purchase intent, psychographic profile, as well as the price for the itinerary that they're looking for. This was not done in a day. Uh, it, it took us a lot of effort to do this, but it's, we found it to be worthwhile. So this is just a quick snapshot in terms of the different assets that we've done across different channels and different devices. So what uh, Programmatic has really allowed us to do and with the data that we have is to allow us to create smart creatives. And what we mean by that is creatives that are scalable, that are multi-channel, they're adaptable, they're responsive, and they're targeted and personalized. And this has been helping us a lot right now uh, with the coronavirus uh, crisis where we see that the old messaging that we have are no longer re relevant. People aren't traveling right now. But what we're able to very quickly do in, on the fly is that we understand that a business traveler and a, a millennial parent would have very different travel worries and concerns right now. And so we're, very, we're able to very quickly change the messaging that we have and to give them assurance in a way that they understand and in a way that's relevant to them. So with data and with uh, creative, we can then now leverage uh, you know, integrated technology to help you better amplify that and, and to help you uh, track your campaign performance. So this is a very basic uh, you know, outline of you know, any brand's uh, marketing tech stack. But what I really wanted to share with you here today is you know, how we evaluate a, a tech partner. A lot of these you can find with the great partners that you have here that will be able to provide you such a solution. But for us, when we're looking for a partner, we're looking for things like you know, having a full view of the customer journey um, so that it, pro it provides us with better and more accurate attribution. Uh, seamless integration with existing systems that you use are also very important if you want to have less sleepless nights. I learned this the very hard way. Um, time saving in terms of automation is also Im important to us, and it should always allow us to easily experiment and to optimize as well as provide us with robust reporting and insights. Again, the infrastructure here has been so important to us as we're dealing with COVID-19 right now, um, because what we're seeing is that we're monitoring our upper, middle, and lower funnel per performance, depending on the news that's breaking on a daily basis, and to see how it's changing the way consumers are reacting to our messages or to our campaigns. 
At the same time, we're also trying to experiment and to change a lot of targeting tactics that we have. Since you know, when I last spoke at the Melbourne conference just two days ago, we have changed at least five or six targeting tactics because things weren't working like any more things that we had. Reporting and insights, granular reporting is also very important to us. Uh, Real-time reporting, because we're basically monitoring on a daily basis how breaking news in different regions are affecting uh, our current campaigns and, and the climate and consumer behavior. So with all these amazing tech that you can get, right, it's still very important for us to get back to basics. And that basic is really having a great landing page experience, a great user experience. So this is a study from Adobe that shows that you know, over 38% will stop interacting if your layout is unattractive. More than 39% will stop in interacting if you know, it doesn't load at, at all. And at Gel, we learned this the hard way when we started our first uh, programmatic campaign. We saw a huge increase in traffic to our site. But at the same time, the drop-off rates were also skyrocketing. And when we drilled down to the data, we realized that it was due to a bad landing page experience. And with the relevant results and data that we had, we were able to bring that up to management and to convince the other department uh, whose managers, who's managing our website experience to really start looking at, at, at changing that. So moving on from backend technologies to you know, uh, the screen, where you know, we're all trying to fight for our consumers' time and attention. You know, Dan did mention this. You know, we've heard a lot of talk back in the day about digital versus television, programmatic versus social, or desktop versus mobile. Um, but in reality, we know that it's more of digital and television, programmatic and social, desktop and mobile. In fact, television, a lot of times, is consumed digitally. Social can be bought programmatically today as well. And apart from that, it's also very interesting to understand the, the different device context. In a study conducted by Google that shows the average time spent per interaction on different devices, you see smartphones looking at 17 minutes, 39 minutes for PC, 43 minutes for television. But when you break down those numbers, you see that 77% of people uh, who are interacting with TV are also engaging on a different device. And therefore, it's so important for us to understand that device choice is often driven by context. Um, and, and the way that someone engages with, with you know, the device also depends on that, that context. And when we talk about contextual targeting, you know, it's no longer just what's the content on that page, but it's, it's really how people are interacting with, with you. For instance, when we look at smartphones, in general, it keeps us connected. So we're using a lot of messaging apps, we're using a lot of social. On PC, on the other hand, it keeps us productive. You know, we're on our PC, we want to get something done. In addition to that, there are also other factors, such as the amount of time that we have or the goal that we want to accomplish, the location that we are in, are we commuting, are we at the office, and the attitude and state of mind that, that we are in. And so it's very important for us to make sure that our campaigns are able to reach across screens and channels and to know how our customers are engaging with us on these different channels. A very quick example here of you know, device and, and context. For us at Jiao, we realized that a lot of um, people uh, around different parts of the world are still buying tickets um, you know, through desktop, perhaps. And so because we know that you know, PC and, and desktop, uh, it's, it's for when people are there to look to achieve something. So we try to make it easy for them to make that purchase. On mobile, on the other hand, it's a very great opportunity for us to really tap into those micro moments and to inspire travel. Just to give you a few examples here of how we use different devices and contexts for some targeting strategies. So um, in terms of location, a simple example could be geotargeting. For instance, we are geotargeting maybe a travel fair or a, a, a flight center or something like that. And we send them a notification or a banner uh, to tell them that there's a better uh, fare available online. 
time, on the other hand, is also very important because, um, for, for instance, if someone is commuting and you know that this is rush hour, rush hour, you're then able to send them a relevant message that's maybe short but easy to, rem to remember. And then we retarget them later on when they have more time and attention, maybe at the office and things like that. Surprising note is that we actually see a lot of bookings during office hours. So you know, that's a little in insight that we found there. And then in terms of goal, this is where message sequencing across different screens can be very important. So for instance, for us, we, we see that uh, mobile is a great opportunity for us to uh, inspire travel. And then what we can do is to help them to make that purchase decision when you know, they're subsequently on a desktop, for instance. So it's very important for us to remember that we need to plan our campaigns that are able to cut across different channels. And what we mean by that is to have customized ad formats and messaging depending on that uh, channel that, that you're on. Um, you know, we also need to understand the context and the, and the channel in which we are advertising on. Are, are people there with a mindset, you know, a more of a leisure mindset? Or are they there uh, you know, with a professional mindset? Targeting according to timing is also very important. And we also need to sequence by screen. And then last but not least, we definitely have to measure what matters. So by moving to programmatic, you know, that has allowed us to really measure desirable res results. And this was a big push in helping us to, to sell programmatic to our, our management. Um, so we, we, we didn't just you know, move on from traditional media metrics to business metrics um, overnight. We needed time to set up the implementation and the tracking. But even then, you know, we created proxy metrics together with our agency partners to try to, to link it closer and to move away from traditional met metrics. Because if I went to my uh, board member to say that you know, I got a $30 cost per acquisition, for example, he would look at me and say that if I lowered my tickets by $30, you know, I, I would be able to sell way more tickets than your campaign did. So we need to derive additional value and, and, and insights, which I'll touch on a little bit more later. So we've also implemented some new measurement methods for different things like media quality, brand safety, as well as performance and ROI. So this is what I meant earlier, where you know, the numbers that we get from our results aren't just limited to, to quantitative uh, numbers like alone. If you're really looking at real business metrics, you know, it can power us to discover new in insights. And what we mean by that is that if you're looking at the right metrics, if you're looking at the right data that ties to, to business, we're able to under, better understand how customers are engaging with this. It almost feels like we have a finger on the pulse of our customers. And these insights can lead to powerful changes because you're the only department in the company, very likely, to have all these different data points about how consumers are engaging with your brand, how consumers are engaging with the campaign that you have. And therefore, it's very important for us to ensure that the metrics that we have and the data that we collect are tied to success. And what we mean by that is that information and metrics that allow us to test different hypotheses. You know, most of our uh, marketing campaigns are based on hypotheses, whether it's right or, that, or if it's wrong. It should also help us to identify existing problems. For, uh, for instance, the example that I gave uh, with the landing page experience. It should also help us to encounter new opportunities and to develop new strategies. Again, this has been so instrumental in helping us uh, to manage the coronavirus situation right now, we're actually seeing all our different segments that we used to have no longer engaging with us because people aren't traveling anymore. And so we needed to change our targeting strategy on the fly very quickly. So for instance, right now, we are looking to retarget people who are searching for travel because if you're someone out there who's still looking to travel right now, it's very likely your travel is absolutely essential. And what we can do then is to really 
retarget you and to show you an ad and, or to tell you, to show you a message that um, even if you need to travel right now, know that you can travel well and with peace of mind because of all of these safety procedures that we have. So with all of these shared, you know, where, where do we go from here? When I conduct you know, strategic planning or transformation, I often like to use this landscape of possibility framework introduced by the Boston Consulting Group, where it shows you know, the five, a few different states of where your organization or department can be in. And how uh, we can work this out is we can tabulate this into a table, and we can separate it according to uh, the different clarity of means, as well as the clarity of end goals that you have. So taking this into more of a programmatic type of um, Example, you know, for those of us who may be scouting and wondering, basically, you know, we, this low clarity of means and, and goals, we're kind of wondering and just trying to understand, you know, how programmatic could potentially help us and our business and to grow our objectives. River crossing, on the other hand, are for those who have a clear goal in terms of where they want to go, but they might not have the means to, to, uh, to arrive there just yet. So maybe these are people who know, you know, the types of business growth that you have and are looking for the right tools or the right platforms and channels to achieve that. And then there are those who are hill climbing. Essentially, you're able to, to get there, but where there is, is something that you're still probably yet to establish. And then there's the ideal state of the plan itinerary that we all want to be in. And this is when you have the great clarity of means to achieve the things that you want to, uh, the goals that you want to achieve. And then there's that last little um, state that which is escape the swamp. And what that essentially means is that you know, the swamp is not a great place to be, and you know you've got to move out pretty soon. And I guess if you're here at this conference, it probably means that you know, you're not using programmatic and you know that you need to start somewhere somehow. And no matter where you are at, you know, I wanted you to know that uh, you're at the right place to start asking the right questions and to get the right information for you to move on to your next stage wherever, what, or whatever that may be. So a lot has been shared and I just wanted to maybe make it easier for you to remember uh, the different frameworks that, that we have to acronyms. So for instance, number one, know your audiences through first, second, and third party data. Number two, Engage them with uh, compelling creative by creating smart creatives. Uh, leverage integrated technologies for faster integration. Create campaigns you know, to reach across different uh, screens by having messages that are able to cut across different channels. And last but not least, measure what matters with results that are tied to success. So the reason why I kind of brought us all back uh, to the start of display advertising today was I just wanted us to take some time to see how far we've come as an industry and to acknowledge the tools that we have with us today. Right. Programmatic, as Dan has shared, it's not just a channel. It is actually automation. And in many industries, you know, automation is touted as you know, the, the, the future. Automation is, is change. But for us, automation is now. It has been around for quite a while now. And so as, as marketers, I would really want to encourage all of us here to really um, look at the right metrics, to look at the right data, to really find out more insights of a, of a customer, and to really start making changes for our organization and to grow our business. You know, I know it's a challenging time for all of us here. And in fact, for me as an airline professional, uh, it's almost like a crisis. It is a crisis, to be honest with you. Um, but I wanted to end this presentation with a little bit of an encouragement. The interesting thing to note is that the word for crisis in Japanese is actually made up of two separate characters. So the first character means danger, but the second character means opportunity. Right? So this serves as a great reminder to us that even in the midst of a crisis, there are opportunities to be found. Whatever your crisis may, may be, you know, or whatever your problems may be, could it be decreasing budgets? Could it be ITP? You know, could it be convincing your client to get on you know, like a new 
programmatic suite, for instance, uh, or maybe your crisis is the coronavirus like me. Not that I have one, it's just my business. <laughs> um, you know, 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 know that this is the right place for you to start asking the right questions and, and to know that there's an opportunity to be found here. So I, I wish you all the best and I wish you all the best and a productive time at this conference today. Thank you so much for your time. Ashton, Ashton, Ashton Media. This episode of Ashton Cast is brought to you by the 8th Annual Programmatic Summit which takes place on the 11th of March at the beautiful Hyatt Regency in Sydney. The Programmatic Summit is the region's leading programmatic ad tech and digital conference. Tickets are on sale now at www.ashtonmedia.com.au. Due to government requirements, capacity is strictly limited. So grab your ticket now to avoid disappointment.